You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Psalms. Here comes the hardship. Here comes the pain. Here comes the trial. Here comes the suffering. Now God's got our attention. There's a repentance. There's a change of heart. We cry out to the Lord. The Lord hearkens unto our cry, delivers us doesn't pay us as our wickedness deserves. And it's just cycle after cycle over and over again. And this is exactly what the Israelites had done throughout their history. As easy as it might be for us to blame Israel for their constant cycle of sin, hardship, repent, it's important that we recognize what's taking place, the unmerited merciful favor of God. In today's message, Pastor J.D. reflects on the richness of mercy and grace that the Lord provides, no matter how many times we fall short. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Psalms chapter 107 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, let's jump in. Psalm 107, verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And, verse 3, gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in a desolate way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Then, verse 6, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them out of their distresses. You might want to hang on to verse 6. This is going to be repeated again throughout the psalm, which to me is kind of the lesson from the psalm where we're told, verse 6, then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Verse 7, and He led them forth by the right way, that they might go to a city for a dwelling place. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Those, verse 10, who sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and irons. Why? Well, we're going to be told why in verse 11. Because they rebelled against the words of God and despised the counsel of the Most High. Therefore, He brought down their heart with labor. They fell down, and there was none to help. Now here it is again, verse 13. Then, key word then, I have it underlined. (laughs) Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distress. He brought them out of the darkness and the shadow of death, and broke their chains in pieces. And here it is again, verse 15. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness, and for His wonderful works to the children of men. 
for he has broken the gates of bronze and cut the bars of iron in two. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, were afflicted. Their soul abhorred all manner of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. (laughs) Then, verse 19, they cried out to the Lord in their trouble. Uh, By the way, do you see a pattern here? Well, I think it was Yogi Berra who said, it's deja vu all over again. (laughs) Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. He sent His word, verse 20, and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them sacrifice, verse 22, the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. Those who go down to the sea in ships, who do business on great waters, they see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep, for He commands and raises the stormy wind which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul melts because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man and are at their wit's end. Then, verse 28, they cry out to the Lord in their trouble and He brings them out of their distresses. He calms the storm, verse 29, so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So He guides them to their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of men. Let them exalt Him, verse 32, also in the assembly of the people and praise Him in the company of the elders. He turns rivers into a wilderness and the water springs into dry ground, a fruitful land into barrenness for the wickedness of those who dwell in it. He turns a wilderness into pools of water and dry land into water springs. There He makes the hungry dwell that they may establish a city for a dwelling place, and verse 37, sow fields and plant vineyards, that they may yield a fruitful harvest. He also blesses them, and they multiply greatly, and He does not let their cattle decrease. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow, He pours contempt on princes and causes them to wander in the wilderness where there is no way. Yet, verse 41, He sets the poor on high, far from affliction, and makes their families like a flock. The righteous see it and rejoice, and all iniquity stops its mouth. Whoever is wise will observe these things, and they will understand the loving kindness of the Lord. You'll forgive me, but... I am of the belief that this last verse in this psalm, verse 43, is an understatement. That 
the Lord is loving and kind, the loving kindness of the Lord. We saw this actually last week in the prior Psalms, how it is that in spite of how God's people rebelled, in spite of the wickedness on the part of God's people, God was merciful to them. God did not pay them as their wickedness deserved. He was merciful, He was gracious, He was loving, He was kind to them. He restored them in spite of them, not because of them. They rebelled against the Lord after all that He had done, the wondrous works of the Lord. And this is how God's people repay Him. Instead of thanking Him, obeying Him, they rebel against Him. To me, this is what I like to call the cyclical nature of Christianity, and I'll explain what I mean by that. Affliction, hardship, trouble, trials, lead to the seeking of the Lord. And then when we cry out to Him, He hearkens unto the voice of our cry, and then He delivers us. He shows us mercy, and then He blesses us, and then He prospers us, and then we forget. It's not long after we forget the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Oh, that God's people would thank God for His goodness. So God blesses us, God prospers us, and then it's not long before we stray away again, and then that leads right back into affliction, which leads right back to seeking the Lord, crying out unto the Lord, which leads to the deliverance of the Lord. And then God blesses, and then God prospers, and then we forget the Lord, and we wander away from the Lord, and the Lord's got to get our attention again. So here comes the affliction again. Here comes the hardship. Here comes the pain. Here comes the trial. Here comes the suffering. Now God's got our attention there's a repentance, there's a change of heart. We cry out to the Lord. The Lord hearkens unto our cry, (laughs) delivers us, doesn't pay us as our wickedness deserves. And it's just cycle after cycle, over and over again. And this is exactly what the Israelites had done throughout their history. But God, but God is merciful. I think we would do well. I think we do err greatly. when we're too hard on the Israelites, as if we wouldn't do the same thing. You know, we put ourselves there in the text, and we, we just marvel at how it is. We're going to be talking about this here in a moment in Psalm 108. But we just marvel at how the Israelites, after witnessing this miraculous deliverance of God time and time again, how they could turn away from the Lord. You witnessed God's mighty hand, the wondrous works that God brought about in your life, and you turn away from Him. And we, and we with such disdain, <laughs> come down so hard on the Israelites, and yet, the truth be known, we would do the same exact thing. I would submit, we do the same exact thing. God blesses us. God prospers us. We forget the Lord. We wander away from the Lord. 
And then here comes the trial. God's got our attention. We repent. We cry out to Him. He hearkens unto the voice of our cry. I think about the psalmist who, uh, forgive me, my memory is not serving me correctly. It might might be in the Proverbs, where the writer says, Lord, don't give me so little that I steal and dishonor your name, but also on the other side of that, don't give me so much that I forget you. Don't bless me. Just give me that which you know I can handle, that which I need. I don't want so much that I I forget you. I get caught up in the prosperity that you've given me. But don't give me so little either, because I can err in that direction as well. G. Campbell Morgan, I think, said it best this way. That is the explanation of all the story. In the hour of deliverance, faith aided by sight is strong, and it is easy to sing. But directly strain and stress return. The past of God's might is forgotten and His counsel is not sought. What is it about us? When things are going well, I mean, we just, our prayers are basic, generic, and we just go about our daily lives, and we sort of tend to wander away from the Lord in that blessing and prosperity. I have a book in my library, has an interesting title. It's called The Agony of Affluence the agony of affluence. One of the things the Lord has been ministering to me over the years is that affluence is actually more difficult than is need and poverty and want. Because when you're in need, when you don't have, when you're in want, then you have to rely on the Lord. You have to draw near to the Lord. But when you're prospered and blessed, you tend to forget the Lord. Sometimes that can be more of a trial than is the other. Psalm 108, shorter psalm. It's a song, a psalm of David, we're told. Verse 1, O God, my heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise even with my glory. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples, and I will sing praises to you among the nations, for your mercy is great above the heavens, and your truth reaches to the clouds. And as we just so beautifully sang, Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and your glory above all the earth, that your beloved may be delivered. Save with your right hand, and hear me, God, verse 7, has spoken in His holiness. I will rejoice. Now I want you to notice kind of a different tone here in verse 7. I will rejoice. I will divide Shechem and measure out the valley of Sukkoth. Gilead is mine, verse 8. Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the helmet for my head. Judah is my lawgiver. Moab is my wash pot. Over Edom I will cast my shoe. (laughs) Over Philistia I will triumph. This is a thing, by the way. 
Remember many years ago when then President George W. Bush was in Iraq, and he had this guy throw a shoe at him? You have to understand, uh, in, in my culture, <laughs> this is the, the, the ultimate disrespect, is to throw your shoe, the dirtiest part of your body is your feet, and the shoe, to throw your shoe at somebody? Oh my goodness. And so <laughs> the psalmist declares that God over Edom will cast his shoe, and over Philistia, he says, God will triumph. Verse 10, who will bring me into the strong city? Who will lead me to Edom? Is it not you, O God, who cast us off, and you, O God, who did not go out with our armies? Give us help from trouble, for the help of man is useless. Through God, verse 13, we will do valiantly, notice again, for it is he who shall tread down our enemies. Okay, interesting psalm. And this, for a number of reasons, one of which is, it's a compilation of two prior psalms, verbatim. The first part is a repeat of Psalm 57, verses 7 through 11, which we studied. And the second part is Psalm 60, verses 5 through 12. This is taking those two Psalms and putting them together, and it constitutes verbatim Psalm 108. The question is why? Why do we have this Psalm in our Bibles? I believe that the reason God inspired David to write this Psalm, which is a a repeat of two prior Psalms, is because over the years this had become a favorite of David's. You know how it is that we have favorites, we have favorite songs? You know how in our day they do remakes of very popular songs? Maybe you see it that way. This is a remake of the most downloaded Psalm in iTunes back in <laughs> David's day. This was a popular song, it was well known, and I really believe it was a favorite of David's because of what it spoke to. And this is another reason I believe that it was David's favorite. It's because it's in the future tense, and I'll explain what I mean by that. This is something the Lord has been ministering to me as of late, as it relates to praising and thanking God in advance of what you believe and know by faith He will do yet future. Notice again the tone in the psalm. It's future tense. You will, Lord. I praise you, Lord. You will do this. You will do this. Deliverance will come. And what David is doing here is he is recounting this praise, this song, of praise and thanksgiving, exalting God for His goodness in advance of Him doing it. So a couple of weeks ago I uh, came upon, actually it was recommended to me, a really great sermon by the late David Wilkerson, who's with the Lord now. He was the founder and pastor of Times Square Church in New York City. The title of the sermon uh, was right song, wrong side. 
right song, wrong side. Now, it was originally, uh, you can find the PDF file of the original sermon from back in the 1990s. That was a long time ago. Uh, he did it. It's actually on YouTube uh, later on. I think it was in the uh, early 2000s. But this is something, again, the Lord has been ministering to me about the right song on the right side of the Red Sea. In other words, we we praise God in advance of parting the Red Sea, not just after He's parted the Red Sea and we've walked on dry ground to the other side and He's drowned all the Egyptians behind us. I want to just kind of share with you an excerpt from this sermon. David Wilkerson says, the people were singing the right song on the wrong side. They had a testimony of God's deliverance, but no testimony of trust in Him. This song, the song of faith, was a song God had yearned to hear from them on the testing side. Anyone can sing after the victory comes. Even the worst doubters can offer a joyous song once God has provided a breakthrough, but such a song isn't a testimony of faith. Israel sang a song of victory after the deliverance, yet they sang it not in faith, but in relief. Interesting. It was a song without a foundation of trust. That was revealed three days later when Israel reverted to their old ways of doubt and fear at their next predicament. And there is always that next predicament. This particular one was when they became thirsty. Three days. Three days. What is that? 72 hours? 24, 72 hours after, imagine this, the parting of the Red Sea. And they walk on dry ground. I mean, a miracle of miracles. They are at the end. And God led them there intentionally, deliberately. And here's the Egyptians behind them. And there they are at the Red Sea. And they already start complaining. And this is going to go on for 40 years. 40 years of complaining. Were there not enough graves in Egypt? You had to bring us out here to kill us. Why couldn't you just kill us in Egypt? We're dead. This is how it ends. We're done. And God just tells Moses, take the rod, and I want you to hold it out and say, behold, stand still and behold, the salvation of the Lord. The poetry of the Psalms evokes emotions of all kinds. The authors' lives were as varied as their songs, yet each point to truth we can't deny. God is still God, always in control, and forever loving His creation. We can rest in the knowledge that our Heavenly Father cares for us deeply and is supporting us, calming us and providing life everlasting. We hope today's teaching on In Spirit and Truth stays with you as you continue on in your day, reminding you of truth and love at every turn. If you'd enjoy listening to more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. 
we do treasure our connection with our listeners, we'd like you to be a part of our social media community. Follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. We'd love to see you here in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe if you're in the area too. We hold services every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursdays at 7 p.m. for an in-depth Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's inspiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church is an incredible blessing in your faith experience. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join Pastor J.D. again to continue studying the Psalms right here on In Spirit and Truth.